Welcome to the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast. I'm Dr. Jay Calvert, and I am here today with my uh, ultra-faithful and very, very loyal, de-humped podcast partner, Dr. Millicent Ravello. How are you? I'm good. How are you? You have been de-humped. I have been de-humped. Although, to be fair, I don't know that I had much of a hump. No. You, <laughs> yours was like the, a very, very minor excuse for a hump. Um, but for the uninitiated, we are talking about humps. Not to be confused with lovely lady lumps. Um, That's different. Are, that is different. We are talking about the nose variety of humps. Right. And these humps cause a lot of problems for a lot of people. And it's why uh, why many patients come in for rhinoplasty. Yes. It's probably up there with problems breathing um, and just overall size issues is I want to get rid of this hump. Yeah, I I think dorsal hump is probably my number one reason for rhinoplasty. Right, because it's I mean if if there's anyone out there that that isn't aware, a hump on the nose is what you would see usually in someone's profile, where right around like the mid portion of the nose, there's a hump. Like I don't know how else to describe it. Right, and anatomically, typically, it's the area where the nasal bones meet the cartilaginous, the cartilage middle vault of the nose, that basically that portion of the nose that goes between the bones and the tip of the nose. And it's uh, when they're big, they're big and you nobody likes them. them. And which is interesting, right? Like, why are we so obsessed and concerned with having a straight line from the forehead down to the nose? Like we want that line from the radix, which is like the deepest part of the nose, right in between the eyes, to the tip, to be a straight line. To well, I should I should clarify. In our culture, that seems to be something that is preferred. But I think that there are some cultures where humps are very much not a problem. Yeah, I mean, so the reason that people do not like their humps is because it does a couple of things. First of all, it it kind of ruins their three-quarter view. Uh, it definitely ruins their profile, but you know, nobody like walks into a room in profile. I say that all the time. They always walk in straight on. So straight on, most people aren't bothered by their humps, but right. as soon as they turn their head one way or the other, it is unattractive. It becomes the the focus of their face. And again, half the reason I operate on noses is to make them not seen not the focal point of the face to make them blend with the other structures so that you see the big, beautiful eyes and that you see the cheekbones. So getting rid of the hump takes it away as a full sort of in your face frontal assault of aesthetic mischief, really. It's just not good. Yeah. yeah, it's not good. So by getting rid of it and for men, most men want a straight line dorsum. They might even like to have a little residual hump. And for women, they tend to want a little hint of a curve or a straight line. Um, there are some, you know, people that want like scoopy noses. I, I don't do that, so I don't want to. I don't want to sit here and say, "Oh, I'll definitely scoop your nose out if you ask me to." I, I have some on my website that are that way from days of yore, and I just I don't like them. So I, I, it's not really an option. I like to have a gentle hint of a curve or something along those lines, and. And so getting rid of the hump really makes the nose more beautiful, but it makes the person's beauty come out a lot more. So I guess the question that I've heard battered around 
do I need a formal, formal rhinoplasty or can you just shave the hump down? Well, there's a couple of ways to do it. You know, first of all, um, you know, you can just take care of the hump, but you still have to do a rhinoplasty because you have to make everything else blend. And this is where I think preservation rhinoplasty is a good option. If they don't have a whole lot of a hump, but they just need the dorsum to come into the face, then, then a preservation is a good way to go. Um, typically though, that can make the nose look wider. You can get some residual hump. And so there's, there, there's some downsides to doing, uh, the preservation for me. I like to just take the hump off with, uh, you know, power tools, rasps, whatever, just to get it down to the right height. And then with the cartilaginous portion of the hump, take that off with a knife and then blend it by reconstructing the middle vault. You know, in general, this works very well. It's pretty routine for me. I've done over 5,000 rhinoplasties. It's not a big deal. I think people who are starting out struggle with the dorsum. I really do. I think it's a very hard part of the of the operation. And taking a hump off is not trivial. And it has to be done correctly. Uh, you can get flail segments of bones, destabilized portions of the nose, uh, problems with disjunction at the uh, cartilaginous bony junction. So... You know, it, it is it is tricky, but, you know, in experienced hands, it's kind of routine and and boy, does it look great. But would you ever just do the hump? Yeah, I, I, I not, do. Not touch the tip, not do the bones, just cut, shave, rasp off the hump, close up your incisions, call it a day. Yeah, you can do that in very minor situations. You can. It's, it's harder um, because, you know, again, you, as soon as you take down the hump, you have to think about it like a pyramid. So... When you take off the top of the of this, you know, triangular sort of uh, 3D pyramidal structure, if if you don't move the bones in, it's going to look wider, right? This is this is right. the argument against you know preservation because yeah, you know the like I have about three or four post-preservation rhinoplasty patients right now that their complaint is that they have number one a residual hump and that the nose is too wide, so that's that's predictable based on the technique with uh with taking the hump down you still have to do something i mean you can't just shave off you know some bone and 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 be done with it i i think that's sort of a you know that's how how patients would like to think it could be done like it's like legos like just <laughs> take this part off and then we can reconnect everything and it'll be fine but the the truth is is that as soon as you take the hump off you're changing the dynamics of the way that the nose looks on the face and so ultimately you probably have to do some slimming procedures, you know, depending, of course, you know, every patient's different. Every patient has a different request. So I think customization is the number one uh, approach to getting this right for the patient. And I, I just think, you know, from my standpoint, you have to have all the techniques at your, at your uh, beck and call so that you can call upon the technique that's going to give the best result. And whether that's, you know, just a, you know, component reduction, you know, uh, you know, just taking the hump off as a unit, uh, doing a, a push down or a let down preservation technique where you're not even touching the hump, you're just pushing it, you know, down into the face more. These are all sort of the approaches to get rid of the hump. And a lot of times there's some crookedness to the hump too, that you have to play in. And again, this is where I find being able to control that with grafting and, and with, uh, you know, with all the, the techniques that, you know, with composite, you know, well, with uh, component reduction and the reconstruction, it just it makes it much more easy, you know, much easier to kind of get the great result.
Right. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. And do these do these humps grow back? Depends how you how you take it down. You know, um, you can get scar tissue. You can get bony, uh, sort of uh, proud bone kind of callus that grows on there onto the the operated. Uh, you know, the the now straight or 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 you know, kind of curvy bridge. If you get some bone growth, it can come back up for sure. And I've seen that. I had a patient. I did. She had like a major league hump. Took it down. She did great. It's on the website, the whole deal. Five years later, she's like, I think my hump's coming back. Hmm. And it wasn't that her, she was bone, growing bone. She was actually getting scar tissue that sort of whirled up and got kind of thick. And so we just literally had to take out a little bit of scar tissue under local anesthesia. But it was five years after her rhinoplasty. Hmm. I wonder if that's because she had an exceptionally large hump. Maybe. I think that the peri, you know, it's, I think there's periosteum and perichondrium that are sort of left over or that grow back and they can, they can make tissue. Yeah, of course. Well, that's really interesting. So pumps are a problem. Nobody likes them. No, they can be removed, but you do need a real rhinoplasty. It's not something we're just going to like shave off in the office and send you on your way. No, no. I mean, that's the dream, isn't it? Right. It's like, Oh, can you just like, do a little of this and I'll be good, but it, it's not that way just because of the the dynamic nature of the way that everything you like, and I use this analogy, it's like when you're trying to set up a tent. I don't know if our listeners have ever set up a tent, but you have like four Has poles. Has your co-host ever set up a tent? Have you ever set up a tent? Never in my life. Uh, okay. <laughs> so what happens when you're setting up a tent and you're trying to get the, I mean, now you kind of like hit a button and they just go right up, but back <laughs> in the day. You had to get the poles to kind of balance in tension with each other so that you could get the right shape for the tent. And a nose is a lot like that, where if you push one thing, it pulls another thing. If you pull one thing, it pushes another. And so the the structure will kind of vary based on what you do to the whatever aspect it is of that, of that pyramidal structure. So when you take off the hump, you've made a wider nose, you have to narrow the bones, otherwise you have a wide nose. And I'm, t- I'm telling you, like, this is like, this is going to be a thing for me now. I, I mean, I, I guess I should start writing about how to revise the preservation rhinoplasty because the revisions are a little different and, but they do have similar complaints. You know, they do talk about residual humps and they don't like the width. And that, that's the problem because like, if you think about it, okay, here's your, here's your hump. And so it's this wide here. Well, if you if you cut the bones all the way around and just push it down, well, now you have a shorter distance to get to that width, right? So it's like you you by by the very nature of how you reduced that hump, you're still going to have width. And oh, yeah. and it's just going to be closer to your face, but wider. But wider. Right. Simple so that, principles of geometry. Right. So as long as your patient is okay with that, like if they have an ultra thin nose, they'll probably be okay with a little bit of width. But the three patients, and I, I've got a fourth one that doesn't know if they had a preservation, but looking at it, it looks like they did. These patients all are complaining about the same things. And they were done by different surgeons with the same technique. They were all right. done with a high septal strip and a push down technique, which is not, you know, not a not a big deal again. But for me to correct it now, I have a little bit of a different, you know, situation. 
obviously can be done, not the end of the world at all, uh, but it's just different. And, uh, you know, I, I figured I'd be coming up on more of these, which I have. And in fact, one of my patient's daughters had a preservation done. And I remember it was one of the first ones I corrected. And I got in there and it, and it said very careful, very specifically that the middle vault was not touched, et cetera. And she was like, you know, I had this operation and my nose is so wide now. I don't know what happened. And I was like, oh, he must have put spreader grafts or something like that. But it was actually a preservation and it wasn't kind of stated as such in the operative note. And, and maybe I just didn't know what I was looking for back then. That was probably about five, six years ago. But, you know, revising it was a little trickier. I just had to put more structure to, to kind of stabilize everything. Right, right. Well, that's certainly something you need to talk to your surgeon about. You know, yeah. whether or not you're gonna what, what, what you're gonna have afterwards is very important for sure. Yeah, you don't want wider noses in general. In general, in general, a few small percentage of patients benefit from wider noses, but in general, I think the average person wants their nose to be a little bit slimmer. For sure, or yeah. keep the same width, just you know, get rid of the hump. Right. So here's a very loaded question for you. So you have that person who literally just wants their hump gone. They don't want to have a rhinoplasty. Should they put a filler in their nose? <laughs> well, if you're going to camouflage the hump, I mean, you have to just be okay with having a bigger nose, right? Because the way that you camouflage the hump, uh, which we just did for one of the nurses in our in our office, you know, we mm -hmm. put some filler in the radix, blended it a little bit on the at the super tip, and it hid the hump. So you know, you can do that, but it, you do have to be okay with a bigger nose. Yeah. And a potential filler complication. Well, sure. I mean, there, you know, fillers need to be done by experts. I mean, uh, if you, if you get into a artery, I mean, I've seen a lot of dead nose parts from, uh, from fillers. So yeah, I, I do not take it lightly when I do nose filler and no one should, because all it takes is to get that needle into one of the branches of the angular artery or the angular artery itself. And you can have, you know, dead portions of the nose. Uh, yeah. and this is why like in revision rhinoplasty, I'm very hesitant to use uh filler. Right. I, you, don't you don't know, know where anything is. You don't know where the, the normal anatomy is. It's all been distorted. And the thing with the nose is it doesn't have a lot of great collateral blood supply. No. Some portions of the face get blood supply from multiple areas. The nose, some areas only have one vessel supplying it. And if you knock off that one vessel, well, then you're kind of toast. And now you're looking at a dead tip of your nose, which is going to be a disaster. So in general, fillers go to someone with expertise. But I say, if you're going to have someone inject your nose, this is where you probably want to have a surgeon, a plastic surgeon or a facial plastic surgeon that is very familiar with the anatomy of the nose that looks at it on a regular basis from the inside out, not a nurse injector that's never done a cadaver lab or touched a nose or done surgery on the nose before, because this is where things can get really, really tricky. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, you know, and, and, you know, again, getting, taking the hump off during a rhinoplasty is pretty routine. Uh, we do it all the time. We can make it look really nice. Um, are there problems with it? Yeah, we talked about it. You can get some lumps, bumps, things that need a little extra shaving, usually stuff you can do under local. Very rare. I got to take somebody back to the operating room to do any kind of tweaking for them. It's usually a, an office thing and it's, you know, five, 10% of the time, uh, something needs a little modification in any rhinoplasty, uh, in my practice, the national average is 15% all comers. So there's something to be said for experience and expertise in doing rhinoplasty especially for a dorsal hump. 
Right, for sure. And then some of, some of the things are just unpredictable in terms of how things are going to heal. Now, certainly during surgery, steps are done to make sure that we counteract certain effects of healing and scarring. But sometimes things just, you know, they're going to scar in a weird way and you do need a little tweak of some kind. Yeah. And, you know, that's the thing. That's why Wednesday is one of my favorite days to operate because <laughs> it is hump, hump day. day. <laughs> oh, yeah. Everyone's favorite day. It is. It's a it's a good day to get rid of a hump. Well, I think that's, you know, that's just sort of the basic uh, concepts of it. There's a lot more. I think if you go to our Rhinoplasty 101 podcast and then uh, we we had sort of an intro to Rhinoplasty podcast, we talked a lot about dorsal humps and a few of our patient experiences were about humps too. So plenty of information here on the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast, but for now, this is the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast coming to you from the 90210. If you like what you heard on the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast and want to get in touch with either Dr. Ravello or myself, this is how to do it. You can reach me at the website, ravelloplasticsurgery.com. You can reach out to the office directly through the website with any questions or consult requests, or you can call the office directly at 310-954-1355. And you can reach me on Instagram at Ravello Plastic Surgery. And to reach me, the phone number is 310-777-8800. My website is drcalvert.com, drcalvert.com. Instagram, Dr. J. Calvert. And of course, you may want to check out our YouTube channel for the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast, which is simply that, Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast. Hope to see you all in the office very soon. Bye.